Principal, good evening to you and welcome. I'm Aya. How are you doing? I'm good, good. You know me, you know, quarantine, oh, my yes. life away. <laughs> okay. Stacey, uh, unfortunately, I guess, uh, you know, the uh, commander-in-chief there uh, had to uh, bite into a significant chunk of our time. But there's two stories I want us to really take a look at. And uh, one, a more local story here, you, uh, many of our view, uh, listeners would have heard uh, the story of Grant Patterson there making an impassioned plea to many landlords. And it seems Kwasatu here has uh, now said uh, the PIC, just on, I guess, the magnitude of the investment in the property sector, uh, should, you know, go to the landlords and ask them uh, for some form of reprieve here and potentially a rental holiday. W- what do you make of this story? They've already had a rental holiday. Pre-COVID. 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 But they've already had one. Remember... Remember about uh, 14 months ago, we had the same exact conversation. The UIF bailout, yeah. Yes. They had a rental holiday from ATTAC, Redefine, Bukile, and Hyprop. So in exchange for the rental holiday and the the reduction in rent, uh, these four landlords representing the majority of their tenants, of their spaces, uh, decided to convert the rental reduction into equity, into um, EDCON in the new equity structure. So they've mm-hmm. had a rental reduction. They have no interest-bearing debt. So for me, this is just purely a working capital situation. Um, I do have empathy for them, but at the same time, I'm not sure. I, I sent it to you earlier on before the show started on the article I wrote for MoneyWeb on EDCON. The question becomes is how many bailouts can they get? Is there not a better application of capital considering that even though it's pre-COVID, historically between March to May, it's when they have the lowest cash flow. So it's in their cycle. This is their tightest trading period. Because remember, Bona, they've got a 120-day payment term. So they start paying their creditors around from February all the way up to May as well as stocking up for winter. Mm. So it's usually a cash flow crunch period every year. COVID has made that problem even worse. Yeah. Even 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 worse. But at the same time, I understand Kosato, but at the same time, they won't have to make this plea to everyone. I'm perplexed why we're trying to bail out EdCon. I do empathize with the amount of jobs, but the truth be told is what have they not done? Mm. What are they going to do differently? We're going to have the same conversation. And you're suggesting, yes, Nesipo, that this might be a dinosaur that uh, isn't worth any saving here? I think it's it's not worth saving in its current shape or form. Mm. There needs to be a relook. I've always said it does duty for me personally as a makeup addict um, is where even if you look at Foshini's results, Woolworth's results, Woolworth's results as well. The g- biggest growing segment is beauty. So for me, the clothing optionality, I've been to an editor store, there's nothing that appeals to me in that entire store. So for me, it's like what else can they do? They've tried the rebrand, but I keep saying to people, I would like for people to take a look at the Edgar's buyers and Edgar's management, Edcon management, Jay. You've got a population that's majority black, and look at the buyers. It's it's like look at the buyers. 
So for me, what else can they do? Mm-hmm. And I mean, Zezibo, if, if you're sitting at the PIC at this point in time, or even at the compensation fund here on behalf of the UIF, uh, I guess the, there's big questions here about uh, your exposure as is to this particular case. I mean, the UIF would probably be the last people whose door they would knock on now. But uh, as the PIC, I mean, uh, with all that's been happening there and uh, potentially new brooms coming in to sweep clean, um, you know, how would you respond to this one? The question is, firstly, remember it was the UIF that made the investment. The PIC as client UIF made the investment yes. in ITCON. Yes. I still, to this day, want to know what was the basis of the investment thesis. Because you've got COVID now, which is doing the absolute well, most. I mean, so, got, so no, no, look no. at the UIF Act. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, I'm trying to answer just from my recollection of what was happening at the time. I remember the UIF uh, using much of uh, the provisions in the UIF Act to justify where they made this particular investment. Now, um, I mean, it's neither here nor there. How much, you know, how, how long is a piece of string? How much support can these guys actually provide to distressed firms? And what, uh, you know, criteria do they add to that? And I guess those are some of the big questions here that are, are going to come up again this time around, a second time around. Um, it, yeah. Because I'm getting to the point. You've got a time period now that UIF claims are, are about to hit because of COVID. The fact that uh, you know there's retrenchments coming. So UIF has to pay out. You know the stock market has done what it's done. What it's done. So we're now going into asset liability calculations. So, well, the Minister of Labor says they've done their actuarial work. Um, I mean, yes, they know how much of a surplus I, they have. They've done the actuarial work. So I can, uh, uh, yeah, we can even, I can bet good money. We'll take this bet offline. I'll bet good I money. Bet let's do the valuation. I bomb, so. ah, I've said, I don't do take any wages. I don't take any wages. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, um, on the very real, on the very, very real, um, at this current point, you everyone's going to be coming to the PIC. Everybody and their mother is mm. going to be coming to the PIC. We now need to start rationalizing who deserves what. Sure. So if Costato is advocating for EdCon, they're going to have to do the same advocacy for every single, at every single sector because there's not a single sector that's not being hurt by COVID right mm. now. And all of them are in just as much dire straits what makes EdCon more deserving, considering they've had two separate bailouts? This is a company that's not paying rent. This is what the reason why I want to understand their cash flow. I, I feel that because they public, their financial statements are not available. You have no interest-bearing debt. Rental is your, has been taken off the table. Majority of it has been taken off the table. You have staff and you have your suppliers. What's wrong in your cash flow cycle? Go. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to, we actually have to have yeah. discussions about that cash flow cycle if we, if, we, if we have to be honest. Okay. Snezibo, let's shift our attention now and uh, I guess stay in the funding game. Uh, but now take a look at some of the multilateral institutions. It seems here that uh, Tito Mboweni's uh, remarks about potentially going to the New Development Bank, the IMF, the World Bank, and everybody else who's willing to offer anything for COVID uh, might have rubbed uh, a few up the wrong way. But. Um, uh, I was saying, I was saying to the producer earlier on, I mean, certainly no, no novel news by any stretch of the imagination, because 
The World Bank a few weeks ago announced a 12.1 billion rand facility for some of its members, of which South Africa is a part. So uh, I'm not sure where uh, some of the concerns are coming from, but Slezbo, uh, you might see it differently. I'm not a fan of the World Bank. I won't lie. No, I'm not a fan. New Development Bank is a bit better because, uh, but World Bank, IMF, I would rather us, we can go to anyone but them. Mm. Uh, Why, their is history, Why is that? Their history in the continent is atrocious. It's absolutely atrocious. What the World Bank, IMF does, you know, you know, borrowing from them is like borrowing from Amachonese, uh, like they are loan shark, same WhatsApp group. Firstly, it's always austerity. Always austerity. You've got austerity, austerity managers that are going to come in, higher taxes. Yeah, it's just never, ever, ever, ever. So, so you're saying, Snezibo, I mean, notwithstanding, I guess, uh, a bit more recent um sort of thinking of the World Bank. I mean, if I think about the diagnostic reports on South Africa, certainly not the kind of World Bank you would have seen uh, in the late 80s of the structural adjustment programs and all of that. Uh, you, you think this, we're still in the same global environment where you know the World Bank still has that kind of leverage uh, to be able to say to a country, look, we'll give you technical advice, which in the truest sense of the world is really a shock doctrine of austerity? Yes, think of what they did in Greece. The Greeks, the, the Greeks, uh, the Greeks and Cyprus, what they did in Europe. Remember what they did in Europe when those guys ran out of money, the other financial crisis. Yes, 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 yes. No, definitely. So that's recent. I'm not even going into the 1980s in Africa. I'm going to recent history and the fact that there were riots because truth be told is that is not like a grant is not within austerity. They don't believe in social programs. The social poverty alleviation tools, it's not within because for them, they're like, you need to cut your, you need to cut your budget. Mm, mm. So, for them, without thinking of the social ramifications, social economic, socio-economic ramifications of that decision. Let's talk so, about the flip side for a second. New Development Bank, I certainly haven't heard much from them uh, around this particular matter, or maybe I've been missing some of their comms here. But, um, I mean, this is a perfect opportunity to really get a sense of, uh, you know, uh, one, what it is that they would fund, uh, but more importantly, I guess, the terms on which that funding would happen, because... Even the introduction of the New Development Bank had always been about diversifying the mix of multilateral funding away from the World Bank, away from the IFC, and away from uh, the IMF as well. So New Development Bank, my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, Aya, is that the New Development Bank is not doing just a normal facilities, that they are specifically project-based funding for specific projects yes, and deliverables. But, I mean, the same so, would apply to, to the IFC, for instance, which is part of the World yeah. Bank Group, yeah. Yeah, so that's my understanding of them. In terms of what they've done, uh, I'm not sure how it would work. Um, the end, they don't come with austerity ties, which I think, but from my understanding, with, specifically with the Development Bank, there mm. is some level of um, tiered financing, meaning that, in terms of where your procurement of goods needs to come from. Mm, okay. That's what my understanding okay. is. I, like, I said, like I said, I stand to be corrected, yeah. but last time I checked, uh, there's a very big focus in the funding must go with the skills, must mm. go with the 
because it's, 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 it's meant to stimulate trade amongst the BRICS countries sure, sure. as well. So that's another level to it. And I guess that presents us with a perfect opportunity. And maybe we might have to call up uh, Leslie Marsdorp and many others uh, who might be close to that action. But Snezibo, we'll have to leave it here for now. And uh, thank you very much. I uh, would have loved to chat about a bit more than uh, just those stories that we took a, took a look at. But uh, we'll certainly get the opportunity uh, over the next week or so. So thank you very much for taking time out to speak to us. Coco, you must read my eight-con piece when uh, you must read this one. <laughs> I don't know. Bye, bye, bye.